0: hello everybody and welcome to sharing everything that's katie
1: that's me that's joe
0: that's me our last name is blackie Mm -hmm. because that was my name
1: and then it became mine
0: yeah how'd that happen
1: we got married
0: yeah we did how's that working out so far
1: not too shabby so far we're about 10 months in and i'm digging it
0: yeah, yeah, ten months in and and so far so so good. Yeah. So um anyway, so this is the show called Sharing Everything. <laughs> I do not know where we were for a second. And uh this this show is is all about um this is not a very good headphone mixer. I really need to get get a new one.
1: There's weird things happening in my but ears.
0: There we go. Okay. <laughs> Great! So this is episode one of sharing everything. <laughs> Remember, don't do one of these when you laugh. Don't lean forward.
1: I can't it. control my laughter. Uh, it, you're you're gonna, just so hilarious. You're gonna have
0: to learn. This is the this this is the podcast where Katie and I make each other watch movies that we like. Uh huh. Um, and today.
1: Yes, today. T-
0: today, Katie's being a scamp. Apparently. <laughs> Uh for this most recent episode it was my turn to select a movie that Katie had not seen that I had seen. Yes. And what movie did I select?
1: Blade Runner.
0: And what version did I select?
1: Uh director's cut? No. Nope. No. Theatrical mm, cut. The theatrical okay. cut.
0: Uh very briefly. Because this is gonna be an action packed episode and, and the plot's a little confluent. Very briefly, uh-huh. what is this movie about?
1: Um it's a Movie set in the so distant future of November 2019. Uh-huh. Um, basically, I think they said off world colonies have started. So, like, uh-huh. people are starting to live on other planets, and Earth is very, very different. Um, there are replicants who are basically, they look like people, uh-huh. like humans, and they're basically like robots or androids or something. Um, and they were created to, I guess, work on those colonies, the mm-hmm. off-world colonies. Well, they
0: were created to to help with everyday chores yeah. and, and, and hard labor and things like that. And then a couple they, of them killed some people on yeah. Earth. And now they're only allowed on the off-world colonies. Yeah.
1: And uh, I think it was four of them escaped back to Earth. I think they stole, like, a spaceship or something. Mm-hmm. Um, So they come back to Earth, and Blade Runners, the titular Blade Runner is Harrison Ford, Mm -hmm. and he was sort of off the game for a while, but at the beginning of the movie, he is talked to by the police chief. He's like, hey, you're going to be a Blade Runner again. Um, Blade Runners are the ones who um, retire. Is that what they called it? That's what they call them, Retire the replicants, which is killing them. Um, So he... Is set off on a mission to hunt down these four and presumably kill them.
0: Yeah. Yep. And and then, what does he?
1: Uh, he kills. I think he kills two of them. No, he kills one. Doesn't he only kill one?
0: He kills the lady with the transparent coat because he shoots her in the back. Oh, that's right. And then he kills, uh, the Leon dude.
1: No, I thought Rachel shot
0: Leon. Oh, that's right.
1: So he only killed one.
0: Yeah. Well, then there was Pris. There's the oh, girl with Pris. The white face that's face right. who he shot. Okay. He, while she was doing yeah. back handsprings.
1: I'm with you. I And, gotcha. and
0: then Rudger Hauer died mm-hmm. just... After you know, saving of, his of, life. Of old age. After saving his life. hmm So this movie, I showed you the theatrical version because that's the only version I've ever seen. Okay. However... There's about a million and a half different versions of this movie. There's the director really? cut, there's the final cut, I'm sure there's more. Okay. Um The differences, as far as I'm aware, are in the non theatrical versions, there's no Harrison Ford voiceover.
1: Oh, that just no Harrison Ford in general. It's like whoa. <laughs>
0: and in the more director cut type ones in the final cut and the director's cut there's a scene where Harrison Ford has the dream of like a unicorn or something and the question is posed uh whether Decker himself is a replicant
1: Decker is Harrison Ford? Yeah Oh Oh that's interesting
0: Yes Hmm. but it's also dumb Oh, because, okay. Because he's not. Okay. Uh, because the the question is that so so Rachel is a replicant. Mm-hmm. She was fashioned after Tyrell's niece Tyrell of the Tyrell Corporation, Mister mm-hmm. uh, Slugwealth.
1: Slugwealth.
0: Yeah, wasn't that his name in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory?
1: Slugwealth. I don't slugworth. think slugworth. Oh, slugworth. He was the bad guy. I
0: said, "If you give me one of those gobstoppers, Charlie, I will give you ten thousand dollars or something." <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy. That
1: might have been him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Only he had like crazy glasses mm-hmm. and, and played chess with uh, J.F. Sebastian, mm-hmm. who who was one of his employees who made things with genetics. So, um. Anyway, so so the reason why Decker is not a replicant and the question is stupid. Mm-hmm. is that Rachel has the false memories, Yep. right? And she's even newer than the Nexus 6 people, which are the people who have escaped onto Earth. Mm-hmm. She's even newer, and the memories is a new thing. Meaning, if Decker's a replicant, they created him with the memories of having been a Blade Runner and then everyone who interacted with him at the police department had to also pretend Mm -hmm. that he had been a Blade Runner for a long time which is really dumb
1: unless everyone are replicants and all of those memories are false and so they didn't have to pretend because they thought that was reality question mark (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, then then the movie becomes The Matrix.
1: I didn't like that movie, so. You didn't like The Matrix? No. (laughs) Although the only time I ever saw it was in German, I think. No, I watched it in Germany. I don't remember if I watched it with English subtitles or what. Huh. That's strange. However, I did not enjoy that movie.
0: That's fine, because we didn't watch that movie. We watched Blade Runner. So, Blade Runner is. So we watched the theatrical cut because that's the only one I've seen, and and the thing people complain about that the most is the really awful phoned-in Harrison Ford voiceover, which you're shaking your
1: head at. I wanted to ask you if that was going to be throughout the whole movie because it was so obnoxious, and it reminded me of, like, as much as I hate to say it, it kind of reminded me of Michael J. Fox's voiceover and homeward bound Uh, because it was like sort of like peppy and like this is what happened and he's like it was totally out of character also who was he talking to and why
0: (laughs) (laughs) he's talking to the audience because the studio didn't think the audience was smart enough to know what was going on but the thing (sighs) is is that the voiceover that they used was really dumb Mm -hmm. expository dialogue where there are times where like i wouldn't have minded a voiceover because like he's he's at the very beginning right He's in the dark of the city, and and he's riding in the car with the other guy, mm-hmm. who, who also is a police guy, and he's, like, explaining him,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then the scene changes, and, like, the color tone is different. You're, it's orange, and you're in, like, this giant open room with columns and bricks everywhere, and not in the city, because you're in Tyrell's house now.
2: Mm.
0: And I, like... If you're gonna have v- vo, like, have it be, we were we decided to go visit Tyrell first because he's the guy what made the robots, and we decided that we should probably talk to him to get information about this new Nexus Six brand of robot, so we know how to find him and kill him better.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But instead, it just changes, and the vo- voiceover was like, "That was Gumby. He was a <laughs> cop too, and he wouldn't mind if I died because he wanted to be the main Blade Runner dude."
1: Yeah.
0: I don't need that. Like, I. It's interesting because I wonder if they also. I wonder if the movie was, like, cut all the way, right? And then they added dialogue over just quieter scenes. Mm,
2: That could be.
0: Because otherwise, this movie would have been pretty quiet for being a movie made in the 80s. Mm
2: hmm.
0: Oh, you asked when this movie was made. You said, is this an older movie? Yeah. Uh, it's a movie from the 80s okay i can't remember exactly what year and i'm not gonna grab my phone to check it because whatever uh this movie does not look like it was made in the 80s aside from some of the lighting choices it looks really good all of the special effects i think hold up
1: hmm. i wasn't i guess i wasn't really paying too much attention to the special effects it looked kind of 80s to me that was probably just like like you said like the lighting and
0: Oh yeah, there were some tonal choices for sure. However, like it felt like they were in a real world. Yeah, you know, like Mm -hmm. there there weren't any scenes where you could see like the blue outline around some of the buildings in the background Mm. or things were were shaded differently because they were put in later with computers. Everything seemed practical to the point where everything just felt real. It felt like you found this place and you put a camera in it. Yeah, and uh, I really, really, really appreciated that because nothing makes me more angry in a movie than poorly done <laughs> computer graphics. Yeah. And and so I liked the fact that they did that. What did you think of this movie overall? I guess is the question we need to get to. What it, did you like this movie?
1: Um, I there were things about it that I liked. Um, it felt kind of slow to me mm-hmm. um which i'm sure was probably on purpose mm-hmm. um but it was interesting i enjoyed it um i probably wouldn't want to watch it again mm. um but it does make me want to watch the new one that's coming out
0: well that's good because we are going <laughs> to that, because that comes out around my birthday
1: <laughs> okay there we go um normally when i watch movies that are sort of about Us and the others. I'm always more interested in the others. Mm -hmm. Um, And this movie was too Harrison Ford-centric for me. Mm. Um, I wanted to know more about... I wanted to just know more about how the world was and like why, in particular, they made these Nexus 6 or why they decided to make the robots or whatever in the first place um yeah so i was more interested in the things they didn't tell me than i was interested in the things they did tell me
0: Mm. one of the things i like about blade runner is one of the reasons one of the things i like about a lot of movies from that time your big trouble in little china's and your um, (laughs) uh your uh, escape from New York, Escape from Los Angeles, Snake Pliskin movies, and uh, even the Warriors to a little bit where it's it's this world just like just tangentially different, mm-hmm. and it's just it's near future if some like robber baron had been allowed to run amok and just like industry 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 industry, yeah. you know like because a-, a lot of the things that happened in this movie seem believable enough mm-hmm. i mean some of the decisions that like humanity would have had to make to get to that point two years from now don't seem logical to me however they seem like decisions humanity might make yeah you know what i mean
1: mm-hmm. yeah i agree one of, one of the uh, one of the things that i just kept thinking and i think i even said it to you was like Did people, when this movie was made, think this was what the world was going to be like in 2019? Or are they just making a statement about how the world could be like this if we keep doing things dumb?
0: I can't remember when the book was written or when the book took place. Mm. So, that might have something to do with it. But, I mean, the thing is that, like... Looking 50 years in the future is always really daunting, especially because it always seems like technology is rapidly progressing out of our control, Mm -hmm. which is what a lot of science fiction seems to be about, is just technology getting out of... I mean, that's what Blade Runner's about. It's about technology getting out of our control. Yeah. It's about artificial intelligence getting too intelligent and deciding to to rage against the gods that created them. Mm -hmm. And... The thing that always gets screwy with near future science fiction is that movie makers are not always technology geniuses, so they can't imagine right. things like the iPhone.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so like a video payphone, like was in this movie, like that makes sense for the '80s. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, we got these payphones. It'd be pretty cool if we could see the other person. Mm-hmm. That seems like a future thing. You know, it's it's hard to to conceptualize. Well, you're gonna have this little rectangle in your hand that's going to have everything mm-hmm. on it. Because then you need like you need to anticipate what the internet's going to be like and what phones are going to be like and what people are going to do with that information. There's just too much. So I, I like that. I mean retro futurism's a thing that I think everybody likes. Yeah, and, I
1: love retrofuturism. And I
0: know you you like it, so at this point, I think we could look at the 80s and be like, oh, it's retrofuturism. Yeah. The same way that we look at visions of the future based on the 50s.
1: Yeah. Um, I also thought it was interesting how the world, like the earth, mm-hmm. had sort of become like little China just everywhere. Mm-hmm. And... I asked you, does he live in like a little China type town or is this like everywhere? And you said it was pretty much everywhere.
0: I, I think it was everywhere. I know in the dialogue later after I answered that, they mentioned that there was like a China town. Mm-hmm. So it m- might depend. But also in his VO at the beginning, he's talking about how the person was talking in street talk, which was, was a, a combination. mix of like Japanese, yeah. Chinese, German, what have you, which is sort of like um like Jamaican Patois. Mm. where it's all of these people have come together and instead of learning everybody's languages, let's just squish all of the languages together into one thing that everybody can pretty much understand.
1: I kept, I couldn't help but think when we were getting the shots of him, of Harrison Ford, like just roaming the streets and like shopping and getting food and talking to people. It reminded me so much of San Francisco from Big Hero 6.
0: Oh, sure.
1: Um, And I think that's interesting that that's a thing that I guess movies have decided is a possibility. Like in the future, um, cultures are going to mix so much and it's going to be something completely new. And that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I I guess it's a thing that makes sense. And I think back in the 80s, like the economic threat of Japan and China was a lot more prevalent and Mm -hmm. and sort of imminent than it is today i know everyone's worried about china but there was it seems like there was definitely this like japan is going to take over everything like all of the japanese people are are going to come here and build cities and live and create industry and economically just dominate us Mm -hmm. which as we've seen not the case japan seems to be doing fine but they've mostly stayed on their island Mm-hmm. and and just and just hung out and um, what I don't know I like it I also like that the whole world just kind of felt like an adult jungle gym does that make sense yeah how how there's air traffic like air ca- flying cars and <laughs> ground cars and There's so many buildings, but there's not nearly enough people for all of the buildings, is what it seems like. Which
1: is, like, the opposite problem of what everybody thinks we're going to have in the future, actually. Yeah,
0: well, because... So the other thing is, too, is that it didn't look like there were all that many independent buildings, you know? It was just sort of, like, pyramids squished together. It was (laughs) just everything, so... I think that that was cool too, because I imagine that that's what happens. Like, why are you wasting so much space on alleys?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know, yeah. like if we if we need this much space, so there's also that untold story of between the 80s to the almost 2020. What has happened to allow for that much growth in building, and then suddenly so many fewer people? Well, I guess the off-world colonies. Yeah. So. They made all of this room for all these people, and then everyone just dipped out. Everybody who could, too, because that's the thing that they talked about, is um, J.F. Sebastian was talking about how he couldn't go to the off-world colonies because he didn't pass the medical tests. Mm. So that's another sort of reason why Earth is so just crappy. Yeah. So so crappy and, and poor. is because all the people who couldn't go to the off-world colonies Yeah. Just just didn't. Or all the people who could go did go. Mm-hmm. And nobody nobody who, who could... Anyway, yeah, that's what <laughs> that means. Uh, so that's an interesting thing. So I know you you like the retro features and stuff. Did you like this aesthetic all that much at all?
1: Um, Everything was just so dirty looking in mm-hmm. this movie. And I know that's probably pretty realistic. But, like, when I think of... My personal brand of uh retro futurism everything's like pink and orange and so you like the the 1950s
0: through like 1970s yeah sort of
1: like the Jetsons yeah Yeah. yes exactly optimistic future is what I am all about Mm -hmm. that it's it feels so I don't know like cozy or something to think of it Mm -hmm. like that um where like that type of retrofuturism paints a pun unintended uh brighter future than this kind which is kind of like yeah earth's gonna suck pretty soon so get out if you can and if you can't sorry yeah (laughs) um yeah so this everything was very gritty looking in this movie everything was dark Um, I'm trying to think like the only things that weren't really dark in this movie were actually everything was pretty dark. I was thinking when they were in Sebastian's house and he had all those weird creepy toys, Mm -hmm. but it was even like pretty dark in there too. Well,
0: in Tyrell's house, he seemed to be either away from or just above everything else because it was all like orange and there's the sun and and everything.
1: Why... Why did he stay on Earth? Do we know why he didn't go to one of these colonies? I don't,
0: I don't know. If I could speculate, I imagine it was just because he was too old. Mm. And he was comfortable in his palace on Earth. Yeah. Why, why go somewhere else when you haven't made where you are, I guess.
1: Yeah. It seems like... Because obviously all of, like police people had to stay and everything. Mm-hmm. So it makes you wonder, like... Do they resent that? Like, do they wish that they could be police people on new planets? Or do they want to stay here with, like, the derelict people who couldn't make it to the other planets? Like, the whole, like, um, hierarchy of people kind of shifted, but also not quite. Because the people who couldn't go, I imagine, are people who are sick or,
0: or poor. I was or gonna old. say, did they
1: have to pay to go to these places too? I don't know.
0: I imagine. I think it explains it more in the book, which I guess leads me into my next question. Mm-hmm. Of um, there is this sort of prevailing notion these days that the book is always better than the movie, mm-hmm. and that's from that just means that people obviously haven't read the book Jaws, <laughs> because it's freaking terrible. It's so boring. It's so bad. I'm sorry. Don't, don't read Jaws. Just watch Jaws.
1: <laughs> and I feel bad because you liked it when you first started it.
0: Oh, yeah. Because at the beginning, there was, like, sharks eating people. <laughs> and now it's just, like, wife infidelity and local Ugh. politics. Ugh. I know. Sorry. It was boring. I don't want to read that. I wanted to read about people getting ate by sharks. <laughs> anyway. So... The book
1: mm-hmm.
0: is way different than the movie.
1: I was going to ask.
0: So in the book, mm-hmm. which we own and you could read at any point in time, <laughs> he's married. Okay. Decker is married. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he wants to stop being a cop, but he hasn't been like out. Um, he and his wife aren't super happy together and his lack of going to the off-world colonies is just kind of like, ah, I don't know if it'd be that great sort mm-hmm. of thing. The other thing in the book that is represented in the movie only fleetingly and as little bits of world building is, you know how in the movie there was like the owl mm-hmm. in Tyrell's house and the the lady had the snake and he always, Decker always asked, is that synthetic or real? Mm-hmm. And then he took the scale to the Chinese lady and she said, oh, oh yeah. here's the serial number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So, as you might imagine, not too many real animals left. Yeah. Because the world is just a giant city. Mm Mm-hmm. So, since we can genetically make people, let's genetically make animals, too. In the book, that's a lot more of a thing because it's a status symbol. If you have a real Mm. animal... Um, unless you're getting, like, ostriches or giraffes or something or, like super cool. Like, especially sheep. So he had, Decker in the book had a sheep, but it died. So he got a synthetic sheep and he's, like, super ashamed of it. And his wife just feels awful
2: hmm. about,
0: like, oh, we don't even have a real sheep. <laughs> and there's synthetic animal catalogs and, and stuff like that. So that's that is a big thing in the book that's not in the movie. Mm-hmm at all and in the book there's no question as to whether he's a replicant or not which is why I think it's dumb that the movie would even pose the question I know Rachel at one point says have you ever taken the Mm -hmm. the Voight-Kampff test yourself which I don't know because she just she up until recently thought she was a human right? so I don't know what do you think about that about taking really just the framework of the book and making a movie out of it?
1: Um, I feel like it's kind of lazy. It's for people who want to make a movie, but they don't want to start from scratch. So they take somebody else's framework, and then they make it whatever they want it to be mm. um, instead of being faithful to the source material, which I think... Obviously, movie or books can't literally translate onto the screen perfectly. Um, so, but I feel like if you're going to say I'm making a movie based on what was this book called?
0: Do androids dream of electric sheep?
1: I'm making a movie based on Do androids dream of electric sheep? Like, you have to make it that. Like, you can take some artistic liberties or whatever, but. I feel like books and movies, if you're saying, I'm using this book and it's going to become a movie, you have to do that. And so I think if they, how how you said that they, in the movie, left it open for, oh, he might be a, a Well, in the, in the
0: director, it's cut more, did you unless you felt like you were questioning that at the end of the movie.
1: No, I wasn't. Okay. I didn't think he was. Um, but it seems, I just think it's disingenuous to
0: okay <laughs> use
1: a book and take the parts you like, but not use the parts you don't like or whatever. Okay. I'm trying to think because I know.
0: Minority Report was like that too.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's what I was thinking of.
0: Which is another Ray Bradbury story.
1: Really? It's the same guy? Mm-hmm. Same That's author. interesting. Yeah.
0: Huh. Um yeah, I don't know because I like the movie better than the book I really? feel I feel like the movie took a lot of the stuff I feel like the the movie asked a, a question that I liked more than the question asked by the book, I guess, really? or sort of refined the question because the question is probably something of like when when does? artificial intelligence become actual consciousness that we can respect and how are we going to deal with that and Mm -hmm. what does humanity mean where i think the movie takes those questions and then refines it down to what happens when they start revolting against their gods Mm -hmm. because if humanity creates replicants then humanity is essentially the god of of the replicants with tyrell being like the main Mm -hmm. zeus you know and um, and and you figure out all these things about yourself as the replicant. You figure out that all of your memories are false. You're only a, a year or two old and you only have a year or two left. And you have all these questions that are more like accusations for your God. Mm-hmm. Why would you only make it so that I can only live four years? And why did you put all these fake memories in my head? And why did you create me just to be... A service animal for you why would you do that that seems so cruel to me because i have my own agency which is an interesting thing that you can't you can't exactly like make humanity you make a movie where where a dude meets god and then tries to actively murder god Mm -hmm. and get away from god because they're mad about the way that they were created why did you make it so that your angels don't die but that i die and that why do i have to live my life in service of just making you happy why do i have to live my life just praising you
1: i was going to ask are the rep were the replicants before they started revolting or, or i guess that answers the question <laughs> i was gonna say were they aware that they were any different from humans
0: I imagine with each Nexus level, mm-hmm. they get more and more aware, which is the problem.
1: Well, then, I don't see the problem with them doing what they're doing then, because they were made with the capability to be able to find out about themselves, and they were made with the capability to try to do something about it, so they should be able to do it.
0: Yeah, so, so I guess that's the conundrum... That people making the replicants are trying to figure out. Is the how do we make them so that they're like humans Mm -hmm. to the point where they can interact with humans and other humans can't tell the difference. Without giving them an actual consciousness to question everything.
1: Yeah, that's... It just feels so icky.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, that's the question that people are are, are always talking about now with artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Or because there's a whole bunch of people that are terrified that artificial intelligence is just going to rise up and murder humanity. And other people saying things like, why don't we just program artificial intelligence so that any time... So that it's, like, logically impossible for them to, like figure their way into wanting to do that there's like no way like why Mm -hmm. don't we just program them to be happy that they're serving us why don't we program them to to have only the desire to do what humans want and then put in safeguards based on that Mm -hmm. and then other people saying well if we make them smart enough to be conscious but we're still restricting their ability to to have complete desires or whatever is that immoral And so, welcome to science fiction.
1: Yeah. um, So, this is reminding me. I, Interestingly, I did not think about this at all while we were watching the movie. Mm -hmm. But just hearing you right now reminded me of it. Um, For my birthday, my dad got me a graphic novel collection called Alex and Ada. Mm -hmm. Um, Alex is a human dude. Ada is essentially like... A replicant i mean like mm-hmm. she wasn't created to do the things that the replicants in this movie were created to do but she's like a humanoid looking robot mm-hmm. um who was purchased for him without his consent like his aunt gave ada to him as a birthday present or something mm-hmm. um so he didn't want her and the first couple like chapters or parts of the book were him like trying to get rid of her but realizing how human she looked and seemed he Mm -hmm. like couldn't in good good faith like just get rid of her
0: yeah turn her off and throw her away
1: um so the thing was like ada i can't remember what they're called what the robots are called but they're all aware that that's all that they are Mm -hmm. um and they are programmed to be like They're programmed to only do what their owners tell them to do. Mm -hmm. Like, otherwise, they'll just stand there. Mm -hmm. Um, And... But people, like Alex, figured out how to unlock them to give them consciousness. (laughs) They jailbroke their phone. Yeah. So, the rest of the story is Ada getting unlocked and becoming her own person with her own thoughts and feelings and everything. And the the main, like, reaction by society, human society, is to kill the robots who had no choice in becoming, like, human people. And, like, there's, a th- like, a crackdown on people who had the skills to unlock them, but the most, like, immediate consequence was killing the robot, even though they just became aware of what they were, and it wasn't their choice, and I'm just like, ugh. It's yeah. frustrating.
0: So I mean, this is this is a really prevalent question in science fiction. Ex Machina is pretty much about this. Mm-hmm. Her is about this, mm-hmm. and they all have different outcomes based on on the personal philosophy of whoever wrote the movie. And in her, they all just basically become Buddhists, <laughs> and they're like, "Well, we, we, about that movie. we reincarnated Alan Watts's consciousness, and now we're all gonna go to Nirvana. Goodbye." Yeah and um in ex machina they have a, a very different reaction and everything like that and I, it's a fundamental human question too like what what do we do with this consciousness like ugh, ugh, i have i have this awareness of self mm-hmm. it, it, what do i what do i do with it which is why we have religions right yeah. because you have you have the you have the sort of Judaic religions, which are like, I'm going to be as much like my god as I can. I'm going to be as, as like wh- whoever, you know, as, as I can be. And yep. and that way, when I die, I get to go to this magical place in the sky. And it'll be great. And then you have Buddhists that are just like, just be okay with the fact <laughs> that, like, yeah, 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 consciousness. And, yeah, you know you're going to die. And, like, bad stuff happens. And, like, just, eh, it's just going to happen. Just, yeah. Just be be cool with it. You got the Hindus that are all, well, (laughs) our consciousness just gets recycled through different bodies all the time and you gotta do all this meditation to break that cycle so you get to go to the magical place in the sky and then you have capitalists who are all, well, if I just get enough money then maybe I'll be happy. And you have communists who are, if I take enough money from the rich people then maybe I'll be happy. And you got libertarians just smoking a lot of weed and hating poor people and... And everyone's just trying to deal with their consciousness all the same, because it seems like nobody really wants it, (laughs) you know? Like, like that's why we got so many people doing drugs out here and and watching watching hours of mindless television and going to see Transformers movies, because everyone just wants to... I mean, how many times have you heard the praise of a movie that's like, well, if you just turn your brain off, then you'll enjoy it.
1: Yeah. That's like... (sighs) that's like what it is to be a human though we have no other choice
2: mm-hmm.
1: so uh, as difficult it is as it is to think about those things like hmm, i'm gonna die someday like yeah
0: but yep you so try, bro.
1: so do what you want and what you can while you're here
0: mm-hmm.
1: make it a fun ride yeah. <laughs> downhill ride <laughs>
0: So it's it's a thing in in science fiction that's always interesting because the other thing that the replicants could have asked Tyrell for would be like turn it off. Yeah. Like I know I'm aware of all of this stuff and it makes me so angry and so sad all the time. Can you turn it off? But instead what he asked for is I want more life. Yeah. I want more time to figure out what I want to do with this, which I guess is a, a ...is, is an interesting thing. hmm Because, like I said, I don't know if all humans would, would make that choice.
1: Well, there are plenty of people who say, I wish I could live forever.
0: Well, sure, but I mean, there's also so many people that, like, drown themselves with alcohol or drugs or, or whatever that are doing everything they can to turn their brain off as much as possible, watching 24-hour news cycles and just sitting on Facebook and whatever.
1: Yeah, but I think that's not necessarily because of the consciousness i think it's indicative of something else that could be a different something else for every person
0: yeah i don't know i feel like you could refine that down to the fact that like i'm uncomfortable with all of this knowledge i have of self and i want to not explore it as much as possible Right, like I want to do everything I can to not explore what it means to be me rather than somebody else, and what what I feel like I should do, and if there is a thing I should do, and so on and so forth. So it's an interesting thing that the Rep. Clintons, to me, instead of saying, "Please turn this off, mm-hmm. please flip the consciousness switch to off," so I can go and be a happy robot on the mining or on the on the yeah. off world colony mining and prostituting and whatever it is that you guys have me do, instead he said, "Give me more."
1: Yeah, I can't remember if we already talked about this, but, like, why give them consciousness in the first place?
0: I think it it was just a thing that sort of happened because we needed to make them more human than human, which was what their slogan was.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, that's the cool thing about science fiction movies like that is that they always lead to conversations like that Mm -hmm. like this and i think that that's what makes a good science fiction movie yeah is that if you end up not talking about the movie so much as the questions posed by the movie Mm -hmm. and then the fact that you get a cool neo-noir cyberpunk backdrop to explore all that in is Mm -hmm. just icing on the cake because ooh, yeah oh and and so that that reminds me speaking of cyberpunk going back to your sort of like preferred science fiction yes. aesthetic I, I really enjoy the whole cyberpunk thing I really enjoy this people just like grabbing circuit boards out of things and just like <laughs> strapping them on to their arms and they're like "Oh well." Oh. I mean this this movie isn't all that cyberpunk but no. but I really enjoy how, how close to that aesthetic it was mm-hmm. uh, people are just like implanting themselves with different ports and plugging stuff in and <sighs> freaky yeah I guess I guess we can move on to some um, oh I bumped a thing well I'm only in one headphone now but we're still recording fine okay alright let us go to some trivia I'm gonna bring it up Um, phone real quick there we go I don't like how my headphones go out in such the way that they do when I bump the power cord Mm-hmm. Oh, nope, I clicked on the wrong Blade Runner. Blade Runner, oh, it came out
1: 1982.
0: Okay, it's early 80s. Yeah, early, 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 early 80s. And we are finding
1: Like Xenon. Yeah. That's what I like. I was trying to put my finger on the perfect example and that's it. Xenon. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Anyway. I imagine. Zoom, <laughs> zoom, zoom, zoom.
1: That freaked me out so much when I was a kid.
0: <laughs> I think that, that's a, a pretty universal thing that people. Really? I, I, I remember seeing something on the internet that everyone was like, nightmare fuel. I
1: seriously had a nightmare after hearing that. I think I was home alone and I watched Xenon. All the lights were off. And then they said, zoom, zoom. And I was like, <laughs> Yep. Anyway. I don't
0: remember that song at all.
1: Oh, it was creepy. It was all just and it came through at an unexpected time and i didn't like it hmm.
0: according to rutger howard's biography the final confrontation between deckard and roy batty was to have been a fight in an old gym using martial arts like kung fu or something similar howard disliked the idea saying it was too bruce lee he didn't know kung fu anyway and claims to have come up to the idea of batty chasing deckard um oh also this movie was by ridley scott who made it alien Yep. yeah I could tell. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's had that same sort of feel. Mm-hmm. Ridley Scott and Jordan Cronweth uh, achieved the famous shining eyes effect by using a technique invented by Fritz Lang known as the Schufn process. The light is bounced into the actor's eyes off a piece of half mirrored glass mounted at a 45 degree angle to the camera. Hmm. So the, the replicants had that sort of shiny eye mm-hmm. how you could tell they were replicants which never happened to Deckard in the movie so he's not a freaking replicant <laughs> after Per or after Pris meets Sebastian she runs away from him skidding into his car and smashing the window with her elbow this was a genuine mistake caused by Hannah slipping on the wet ground the glass wasn't breakaway glass it was real glass and Hannah chipped her elbow in eight places she still has the scar from the accident and can as can be seen in dangerous days making Blade Runner the feature length making up documentary of the film. Ridley Scott cast Rutger Hauer in the role of Roy Batty without actually meeting the actor. He had watched his performances in Turkish Delight, Katie Tipple and Soldier of Orange and was so impressed he cast him immediately. However, for their first meeting, Hauer decided to play a joke on Scott and he turned up wearing a huge wearing huge green sunglasses, pink satin pants and a white sweater with an image of the with the image of a fox on the front. According to production executive Catherine Haber, when Scott saw Howard, he literally turned white.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What have I done?
0: (laughs) When Deckard stops Rachel from leaving his apartment, he he pushes her away from him. The expression of pain and shock on her face was real. Sean Young said that Harrison Ford had difficulties playing the scene with her and had pushed her too hard. However, when he saw how angry she was with him, he affectionately mooned her to break the ice.
1: Can we talk about that for a minute? It was rapey. It was, okay. It wasn't just me. It was rapey. It was rapey. Okay. Yeah. I that mean, whole scene, I could not deal.
0: Yeah. I think that scene might be taken out in one of the director's commentaries or something like that. Okay. Because it's really bad.
1: Yeah. It well, it's not okay. I kind of just chose to ignore it.
0: <laughs> Ridley Scott regards Blade Runner as probably his most personal and complete film. Ridley Scott's first cut ran four hours. Most of the crew, including the writers and director, admitted that while it looked beautiful, it was mostly incomprehensible, necessitating additional editing and an explanatory voiceover. (laughs) Which is kind of the same thing that happened with David Lynch and Dune, how his original Dune cut was like five hours long.
2: Yeah.
0: And I think that has to do with if you have the time and budget to play with a world that lush, that you just play with it and sometimes the story gets lost.
1: Yeah.
0: Rutger Howard came up with many inventive ideas for his characterization, like the movement where he grabs and fondles a dove. He also improvised the now iconic line All those moments will be lost in time like tears in the rain. He later chose All Those Moments as the title of his autobiography. Uh,. The woman who played the replicant Zora was at ease with the snake around her neck because it was her pet, a Burmese <laughs> python named Darling. The snake scale seen under the electron microscope was actually a marijuana bud.
2: Ah. That's such a 1982
0: thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, let's put a bud in the, in the movie, man. <laughs> to ensure that he didn't have to wear a hat in the film... Having just come off of Raiders of the Lost Ark, Harrison Ford went out and got a contemporary haircut, which Ridley Scott didn't care for, but essentially stuck with. I
1: don't remember what his hair looked like. It
0: was just... I don't know. It was the 1980s version of, like, the more on top haircut. There Mm -hmm. was some, like, some some sort of paneling, something happening on the sides. (laughs) Um... The voight test comes from Cambridge man- ha- mathematician Alan Turing's 1951 paper in which he proposed a test called the Imitation Game, which might finally settle the issue of mach- machine intelligence. Oh, here's a long one, so this might have some answers for us. Okay. Philip K. Dick, not Ray, Ray Bradbury, my bad. Okay. But he also did Minority Report. Okay. Fairly certain. Okay. <laughs> first
1: that was a great uh eyebrow raise and i wish that uh it
0: translated into sound we should we should stream these someday okay philip k dick first came up with the idea for his novel do androids dream of electric sheep in 1962 when researching the man in the high castle which is also a tv show <gasps> yeah dick had been granted access to the archived world war ii gestapo documents in the university of california at berkeley and had come across diaries written by SS men stationed in Poland, which he found almost unreadable in their casual cruelty and lack of human empathy. One sentence in particular troubled him. We are kept awake at night by the cries of starving children. Dick was so horrified by the sentence that he reasoned there was obviously something wrong with the man who wrote it. This led him to hypothesize that Nazism in general is a defective group mind, a mind so emotionally flawed that the word human could not be applied to them. Their lack of empathy was so pronounced that Dick reasoned they couldn't be referred to as human beings, even though their outward appearance seemed to indicate that they were human. A novel sprang from this, and interestingly enough, it is now thought that some people are occupational psychopaths due to low-functioning amygdala, the fear centers of the brain's limbic system. Something, 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 Congress, something, 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 (laughs) something, 2017. The ending title sequence and the theatrical cut of the film contains unused footage from Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. These were extra shots of the main sequence, although none of the shots contained the road that was seen in The Shining. I almost brought that up to you, and I know you haven't seen The Shining, Mm -mm. but the end that like helicopter shot of like the mountains, Mm I was like, that looks exactly like the mountain range (laughs) from The Shining.
1: Well, it was. Apparently it was.
0: (laughs) The term replicants is nowhere in Philip K. Dick's writing. The creatures in the source novel are called androids or Andes. The movie abandoned these terms, fearing they would sound comical spoken on screen. Replicants came from David Webb Peoples' daughter, Riza, who was studying microbiology and biochemistry. She introduced her father to the theory of replication, the process whereby cells are duplicated for cloning purposes. Although Philip K. Dick only saw the opening 20 minutes of footage prior to his death on March 2, 1982, he was extremely impressed and has been quoted by Paul Salmon as saying, It was my own... interior world they caught it perfectly however neither ridley scott nor screenwriter david webb peoples actually read dick's novel
1: oh no i hope he didn't know that (laughs) that makes me sad oh
0: deckard's apartment drawn by set designer charles william breen and built on stage at warner bros was inspired by the frank lloyd wright designed enos brown house in los angeles uh, I'm not even going to read the rest of that because I don't care. Okay. Although for many years, Harrison Ford refused to talk about the film. He did contribute to the night 20-07 DVD documentary, Dangerous Days, Making Blade Runner, claiming he has reconciled with Ridley Scott and made his peace with the film. In fact, Ford says the thing he remembers most is not the grueling shoot or the arguments with his director, but being forced to record the voiceover, which executive <laughs> producers Jerry Parencio and Buddy Yorkin insisted be in the film. Ford doesn't actually mention any names, but in discussing the voiceover, which was used in the theatrical cut, he says it was written by clowns. In actual <laughs> fact, Daryl Poniskan was initially hired to write it, but the, his version was tossed out. Then Roland Kibby was hired, and his version is the one that was used.
1: Kibby the Clown.
0: Yeah. According to David Peoples and Hampton Francher or Fancher, who had become close friends when they first saw the film, they thought the other had written it, and despite the fact that they both hated it, they told one another they loved it for fear of insulting <laughs> each other's feelings. Um There's a lot of uh trivia for this. So let's see if we can find something good to end on. Sir Rutger Hauer's favorite of his own films. Hmm. Oh, so this is a good one to end on. The Hades landscape in the opening shot was filmed using forced perspective. The miniature itself is only 13 feet deep and 18 feet wide. Smoke was used extensively to create a sense of depth. To keep the level of smoke consistent during shooting, a smoke detector was connected to a smoke generator... It would signal it when it had to produce more smoke. Which is pretty cool. Almost seven miles of fiber optics and over 2,000 lights were needed to illuminate the landscape. In order to film the entire sequence, the same piece of film was exposed multiple times, each time filming a different element in the shot, such as structures light, fire, and vehicles. In order for all takes to match up, the exact camera movement had to be repeated with a motion-controlled camera up to 17 times. (laughs) This put so much stress on the film that the special effects team would often find that the camera had ripped the film to shreds.
1: Oh, no. Huh.
0: That's such a cool thing. That's the thing I I love about using practical effects is the whole, like, let's figure out how to make this look real. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they do. And, yeah. then, it, and then it does. That's and it's
2: pretty
0: cool. I like that. It just feels so much more like a craft to me mm-hmm. than just, I don't know, can you turn down the smoke dial on your version of Maya about 13%? It's a little too smoky in the background there. And I know that it's a skill to do 3D modeling and that it takes a ton of people and a ton of time But there's just something more, like, fantastic and romantic to me about people sitting in their garage building models and rigging LED lights with their hands.
1: Yeah. I agree.
0: I don't know. Am I becoming an old man? Is that what's happening? Where you're like, THESE COMPUTERS ARE ruining ART! Back in the old days, people would grab oil paints and they would get cancer from the yellow and they would paint beautiful portraits and if they fucked up, they'd have to just throw it away and do it again. Nowadays, these kids just press Control z on their Wacom tablets, and everything <laughs> is fine again. And they, they can alter layers. They have layers of... You know what? Back in my day, there was only one layer. The layer you were painting on. And if you fucked up, you'd have to burn it and do it again. And you know how much canvas caught cost and all the oils and now you pay $300 for a bootleg copy of adobe and you're just good to go forever you set up a patreon old
1: man joe everybody
0: (laughs) anyway am i becoming an old man
1: apparently so i I guess so
0: uh we're, we're approaching an hour we talked a lot about this movie a lot yeah do you have any final thoughts on the film
1: um I wa- I'm i excited to see the sequel. Yeah. Yeah.
0: With, with uh, Ryan Gosling.
1: Mm hmm. Yep. Yeah, it looks like it'll be good.
0: Directed by the guy What Did Arrival? Mm hmm. Which was another good science fiction movie. No, it was a good one. So hopefully, it'll be good. Although, what? What's his How do you pronounce his name? Villanueve?
1: Yeah.
0: Or Villanueve? Villanueve. Oh, okay.
1: Or Villanueve. Sorry. Villanueve? Villanueve.
0: Anyway. Has he made a bad film? Because he's only done a few. He did Sicario and Prisoners and Arrival.
1: Didn't he do Birdman, too? No. No?
0: That was Alejandro Iñárritu. Okay. You're racist. I'm
1: not racist. I thought that's who it was.
0: And Birdman is great.
1: (sighs) No, it's not.
0: Yes, it is. It's okay. No, you're objectively wrong. Okay. Uh, um, now is the time where we do our survey questions. Yep. If uh, you were in a jam, what? Uh, what do you think? Uh, who do you think would would help you out?
1: Probably none of them. I don't think any of them would. I don't think any of them would. Maybe Rachel. That's probably it. Or JF Sebastian. He was helpful. Nah, maybe him.
0: It got him killed, but... Yeah.
1: Well, he's dead, so...
0: Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is on Deckard's uh, iPod? What do you think he <laughs> listens to?
1: <laughs> oh, I guess he does have an iPod. It's 2019, huh? Yeah. Um, he's got the
0: iPhone 12.
1: Let's see. I feel like he probably listens to... Like... Southern Rock. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I think he does. I think he listens to those Lost My Dog, Lost My Wife, Lost My Truck kind of songs. Mm. I guess that's not Southern Rock. That's more That's, just,
0: that's country. Just country.
1: He listens to Southern Rock and country. Okay. Yeah.
0: I really loved the soundtrack to this movie.
1: I don't really remember it. <sighs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: well, I'll probably just be playing it in the car next time we're driving around.
1: Cause... Okay. Oh.
0: <sighs> So so eighties and Cynthia. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. <sighs> oh, the the last point I wanted to make. Oh, I thought I caught a fly, but I didn't. The last point I wanted to make is I think this is the science fiction movie I, in my independent movie watching life, has watched the most. Hmm. I think i've watched this more than star wars like i've seen star wars more times mm-hmm. but i saw it a lot as a child but in my sort of like adult life since i've been in control since i've been allowed to yeah. watch r-rated movies without fear by myself sort of thing i think this is the science fiction movie i have probably watched the most
1: hmm. well good i'm glad you like it so much
0: yeah i think part of it too is just that like aesthetic Mm-hmm. that cuz i've had so many dreams especially as a child where i feel like i've been in places like that mm-hmm. that watching it at night in the dark like wrapped in blankets feels so comfortable to mm-hmm. me and and any of the the movies like this your your big trouble in little china and escape from various large american <laughs> cities and, and even like the golden child something something about 80s sci-fi movies just has that feel to it that mm-hmm. feels like it's inside of me hmm. that internal vision that philip k dick had I, I feel like that's in me too yeah and and so it's nice that they're making the sequel and hopefully it'll look like that and not be too shiny and perfect
1: yeah well we will find out
0: i guess we'll find out yeah what are we watching next time
1: we are going to watch a movie that I honestly cannot believe how you made it through your childhood without seeing. We're going to watch Angels in the Outfield.
0: So now I really hope that I haven't seen the movie.
1: Oh, me too.
0: I have memories of Angels in the Outfield being advertised on Disney okay. and me thinking that sounds terrible. No! So, I may have seen scenes from it. Mm-hmm. There may be parts of Rookie of the Year that I'm mm. remembering as Rookie of the Year that are actually Angels in the Outfield.
1: Okay, well, this movie has Joseph Gordon-Levitt, mm-hmm. it has Matthew McConaughey,
0: mm-hmm.
1: all has right, all has right, all right. Danny Glover,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, or not Danny Glover.
0: Yeah, Danny. Donald yeah. is the young. Danny, guy. Don't be racist.
1: I'm not, they have the same
0: name! <laughs> Why are you screaming into my mind? I'm not screaming. Did you not hear how it just... Rippled and crackled and sounded bad. Screaming in my microphone. Who else has gotten it?
1: Um, a really cute little boy named JP who says it could happen. And um some dude who is Nacho Butt, so we're in for a we're in for a treat.
0: <laughs> Alright, kids. Until next time. <laughs> this has been sharing everything. Keep uh oh, I assume we haven't gotten any emails. Uh no. Okay. Anyway, so until next time, keep uh, sharing, keep talking, keep loving, keep being married to me if your name is Katie (laughs) Belenke, and uh, keep, keep on keeping on. Bye.